This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. And you heard the man, you're listening to Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. High proof and high heat is our slogan. Hello and welcome in. I am Brandon Spinner alongside my co-host, Michael Burns. Mikey Burns, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday evening? I'm doing pretty good. The baseball season's going. The weather's getting nice. I've got my new bourbon shelf. Yeah. Up. Construction oh. construction in the Burns household continuous. It is continuous. This is only p- part of it. It's about 90% complete. I've got the boards up. I've got the shelves up. But I've got a finishing touch. I've got to add to it that I'm pretty excited about, but... Just to finally have it all up. Is it what we talked about? I think so. You think so? Okay. I'm going to leave that for the listeners and the viewers and all of our friends to sit on the edge of their seats and wait for that to be finished. I've seen seen some texts and some pictures from Michael about it. It looks pretty good, man. You excited? I'm pretty excited. Going from a bookshelf to shelving. Around my yeah, Michael had this little bookshelf that he continuously moved around the room, like in one <laughs> side and then on this side, and then it was empty with all the bottles on the floor. So now he's finally got shelving for his bottles. This is finally my office. It's finally Michael's office. Uh, and this is mine and Michael's podcast. As you heard off the top, this is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. Welcome in to episode 25 of Bourbon and Baseball. And we're going to jump right into what we've done the last couple of weeks. Episode 25, we're going to start with the number 25. Who was the best baseball player to ever wear the number 25? Michael, go. Again, I'm terrible about number history, but Barry Bonds comes to mind for me. I know a lot of people wear 25 around here for Barry Bonds. I think Andrew Jones wore 25 Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hall of Famer Andrew Jones, non-Hall of Famer Barry Bonds, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say that Barry Bonds probably had the better career. Right, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, other players who've worn the number 25, Mark McGuire. Did Mark wear it as well? Yeah, number 25 when he hit the home run with Cardinals. Um, Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey, he's a good guy. Another another Hall of Famer. Uh, Bobby Bonds was number 25 with the San Francisco Giants as well. Uh, because Barry wore 24 when he was in Pittsburgh, and the reason he wore 24 in Pittsburgh was because his godfather, Willie Mays, who was on our last episode, and he just turned 92 years old, Willie Mays. Uh, he was He's number 24. So, yeah, Barry Bonds. Uh, I would probably go Barry. Another name, he's not the best, but just got to toss it out there as a Cub fan. Derek Lee, who had one of the best seasons as a Cub in 2005. And uh, Rafael Palmero. Palmero, great swing great from the left side. I remember him. Yeah, Orioles, Rangers. I think he played with the Cubs at one point in time as well. His son's a making a way through the system. His his son was on the trash pandas last year. Oh, he was. Yeah, I I don't. He's not there this year, so I wonder if he's in AAA now. Uh, he probably is with the Angels then. Yeah. Yeah, Rafael Palmero started as a Cub in 1986. Through 1988, then he went to the Rangers, Orioles, Rangers, Orioles, back and forth. So he must not like the Cubs. He went back to the Rangers twice, and he went to the Orioles twice. I'm going Barry Bonds. I think that's probably going to be the name that jumps out the most. Some people are going to say no, but dude has the most home runs in Major League Baseball history. Go look at his statistics. Even 
without hitting the home runs, the walks that he put up. Incredible stuff. Really, so, you could, it's unmatched. It's, it is truly unmatched. I think he had an on-base percentage of 600 in 2004, like 605 or something Over like that. Over 50% of the time, he got on base. Yeah. That's MVP. Yeah, ridiculous stuff. Uh, and he was the MVP seven times, five of those happening with the number 25. The other two were with the Pirates when he was number 24. So I think this is the Barry Bonds episode. How many would he I win in a row, one. MVP? He went three in a row. I thought it was four, but I could be wrong. It was four. You're correct. From 04 01, to 01, 01 04. 04. Yep. And in, and in 2000, he got second. Who would he finish to? Sammy? In 2000? Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent, who he would have been a teammate of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have the Giants. Yeah. Wow. wow. Giants rolled that and they didn't they didn't win the World Series. No, that was two thousand two versus the Angels. Yeah. So they had the MVP for five straight years and they didn't win a World Series, but then they got their due in 2010, 2012, and 2014. So this is episode 25, the Barry Bonds episode, who has the best war among players in the number 25. Uh, the website I saw had Andrew Jones as the best 25, and his career war was like 95 less than Barry. But he had 10, <laughs> but he had 10 gold gloves and Barry had eight. So... They were like, you got him. You got him. You got him. So Barry Bonds episode number 25. You can find us on YouTube. We're we're really growing on YouTube. If you haven't checked out our subscription page there, we're up to 140 subscribers. That is up from 100 and I believe 25 last week. Uh, So we're up about 15. We're putting out exclusive content that you can only see there or sometimes on Facebook, but usually just on YouTube of our YouTube shorts, some recaps of what's going on in baseball. So go follow us there. You can watch us or watch this podcast. Just go to youtube.com slash at barrels, the letter N barrels pod. And that's where you can find us on Instagram where Michael, have you seen the news? Have we gotten there, Brandon? Are we there? Right before we hit record, we hit 1,000 followers on Instagram. So it's official. We are uh, 1,000 followers on Instagram. Should I play my harmonica again? Yeah, I don't think that'll come through. Dang it. I've been practicing. I can play happy birthday on it. 1,000 followers. That is our... uh, High tech soundboard, aka my iPhone. So, a thousand followers. You can find us on Instagram at Barrels, the letter N, Barrels Pod, and Facebook is where you can find us there as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. Uh, we've been tweeting out a lot of just live tweets through games, retweeting a lot of people, and also we're tweeting out some sports gambling advice or some sports gambling lines to think about. So, head on over also there trash as talk. well. Trash talk, yeah, of some course, trash too. Talk too. Yeah, there's yeah, been some decent that's fun. trash talk. That's always fun. Especially when you're trash talking the Astros. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do right now. It, the, the people on Facebook and the Astros, man. Uh, and again, go follow us on Facebook. We're up to 358 followers, which is up about four, 300 in like the last two months. So we're growing there as well. Go head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio. We're, we're really starting to pick up a lot of listeners as well as Google and Amazon Podcasts. Don't forget to hit the review button or rate us we're five star rating uh 15 out of 15 so far on apple we'd love to hear your advice hear your thoughts and please do that on spotify as well 
did want to shout out a couple of new YouTube sub subscribers, Cody Gass and Ivan Villarreal. I'm hoping that's how you say your name. But uh, those two were two of the others who joined in the last week and a half. I told mm -hmm. you, anybody who subscribes, I'm going to shout you out as long as it shows up with your name. Because sometimes it doesn't show up because you've got yours listed as private. So you're not going to get a shout out. So speaking of shout outs, we're going to shout out to Michael, who has this week's bourbon. I do have this week's bourbon. But one, one last note. If you ordered a shirt, shirts have shipped. Your shirt, shirts have well, shipped. Shirts have shipped. Your shirt, your Barrels and Barrels official shirt is heading your way and could be there in a day or two. Might be Unless, there by the time you hear this podcast, to be honest. Unless you Some live people. in the Mount, Georgia mountains where the postal man has to climb rocks and you know grade certain grades to get to your house, it, we'll, we'll see. It's kind of smooth how you fix that into the podcast right there. Yeah, Pretty smooth. <laughs> Pretty smooth. Pretty smooth. Yeah, so with um, with the Kentucky Derby going on last week, me and Brandon thought it would be appropriate to uh, do the, of course, Blantons. I mean, just kidding. Just, <laughs> just kidding. We've got another one. We've got Pinhook, which yeah, has pin a pretty hook. cool story with what they do. Um, mm -hmm. They go through and... Every year, every year, Pinhook selects two up-and-coming thoroughbreds that are over at their partner stable, um, Bourbon Lane Stable, it's called. And mm -hmm. they pick two horses, one with a bourbon name and one with a rye name. So this, this 2021 Vertical Series Bourbon horse's name was Bourbon War. He was horse-size horse 16 hands. <laughs> they measure the hands? They measure, that's, a, that's how the measurement is. So he has 16 hands. He raced in 21. He has 16 hands? No, that's how they measure the, the size of horses. Oh. oh, 16 hands tall? Yes, 16 hands tall. But whose hands? The guy measuring his hands? I, or? Yeah, that's, my wife's in the horses, and I still don't understand that. Still don't understand it. But uh, the, the bourbon we're going to be drinking, our horse, Bourbon War, had 21 races, two wins, three places, two shows, and a career earnings of $277,624. That's $277,624 more dollars than this podcast has ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into then the actual, you know, Pinhook, uh, their, their approach of why this bourbon is different, the juice inside, not just the horse on it. Um, the, I guess the, the standard approach, Brandon, you know, to whiskey and making the same batch over and over, trying to get the similar, mm -hmm. same profile, same proof. They believe that they are breaking tradition and each new set of barrels that come in, they just try to work each expression differently each year to the best of those barrels rather than trying to find the same batch. So they say that they are differentiating, breaking from tradition to find better, the best expression from those particular barrels. Mm -hmm. So you sniff, sniffing that guy, let me give you the, uh, you want the mash bill? Yeah, go for it. So... Pinhook 2021 is 107 proof. We are 75% corn, 
20.5% rye and 4.5% malted barley. So pretty typical uh, bourbon mash bill, right? I think this is MGP, isn't it? Yes, it is. So that's going to be the MGP uh, low rye mash. So it is a six-year bourbon. Six years, okay. Un- unfiltered. Is it finished in anything? It's not finished. Unfiltered. Jan Gomes, get out of here. Welcome back, Jan Gomes. Sorry, we're watching the Cubs game, and I think I'm ahead of Michael. Are you on offense for us? Yeah. What inning? Top five or bottom five? Oh, bottom four. Yeah, okay. I was I was delayed. Okay, they just struck out Contreras. Okay, uh, now I've, I'm, I'm, I'm live. But you guys didn't know that. We would have been fine. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, right off the bat, I've I've got like a, a toasted marshmallow s'mores smell. Very sweet uh, off the nose. I get a lot of the oak, some brown sugar. It's a sweet nose to me. Uh, a classic sweet bourbon, right? It's I think it hits all. I've got some dark fruits and very strong brown sugar sweetness. Did we open this one together? On I think patio? we did. Uh, no, we opened this at my house. At your house? Okay. We we opened the 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 Penelope, Penelope which I've I've done some damage on this guy. I mean, I've owned it for two years, but I haven't destroyed it. I probably got a couple pours left. Yeah, I get the same kind of same kind of aroma. It's brown sugar, sweetness, spicy sweetness. Brown sugar, dark fruit. I got oak, and to me, I'm thinking a campfire. Like that's what I think of. I was I just about this. to ask you: Does it smell flor- florid? Does it smell dry? Does it I don't think it smells dry. I think it smells very sweet. Um, like I'm picturing sitting around a campfire with a s'mores in my hand while I'm sniffing this. Okay. Well, why don't you take a sip and uh, I'll give my first sip there, which was a little bit rye for me, a little spicy. Uh, hard to, hard to, en- I mean, it was my first sip, so hard to enjoy, but I did get that brown sugar, honey toast. Right, right, right off the bat, um, the fruitiness of it finishes late. It's not strong. Um, how about you, Brandon? First sip. Uh, I agree. I think it's really rye forward. Um, it jumps out at you more than the nose. I think I was expecting more of a sweet hit right up the front, but it like it had that rye spice, and it kind of felt like that just expanded as it continued to like develop. Uh, there is some sweetness. I thought I got some maple and brown sugar. Oh yeah. Uh, maple mm-hmm. brown sugar oatmeal, like one of those eight meal, oh, maple brown sugar oatmeal packets that you would, uh, make. And then it got like pop rocks tingly, uh, on the tongue before finishing with a little bit of fruit. But, uh, I think the nose to me is better than the palate for me, at least. Mm-hmm. I think it's a better nose than it when it comes to the taste, it's not as, I think it's missing something. It's missing a little bit of that sweetness that you have on the nose. I think the rye really overpowers it for me. I, I agree. I think if you, this is not a bourbon to give to somebody who can't handle spice or is new to bourbon. You're like, Hey, try this. This is good because they're just going to be there. That's the typical tastes like alcohol, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what you kind of get out of this because of that heavy rye on the palate. Yeah. It's it's masking all the other flavors. And it's not even that high rye of a mash either. At the twenty, it's what seventy five, twenty point five, and four point five. I think 
that's the 75214 they would say at MGP. Take a smaller sip. Uh, the first sip was smaller, the second sip was larger, and I got the same thing. Yeah, well, so now that you're acclimated, take a little bit smaller one, and I got a little less. It got much honeyer by taking a smaller sip after letting it, it burn. Let it mellow a little bit. Right. I still, I still find it overpowering. There's a little bit of a sweetness. I'd call it maple up front, but to me, it's still very, it's not bad. Would you think that this was finished based off of the honey finish a little bit? I thought it was finished just off the nose. That's why I asked earlier. It had more of a like toasted barrel finish to me, but it's it's a lot harsher on the, the palate, I would think, um, for it to be finished. This It's a good bourbon, um, but it's very rye forward to me. And if you're right. not a fan of rye, um, and if you're not great with the rye spice coming through strong, I think that this is probably going to turn you off a little bit. I would buy a bottle of this, personally, if I saw it. What's the MSRP? MSRP is 65 Okay, so it's up there. Um, a this little is, 20, this is 2021. This is 2021. So they have 2022 and 2023 vintages mm-hmm. um, that are out now. But they're all supposed to be unique, right? They are supposed to be unique. That's what they're saying. They're breaking the tradition breaking the tradition just like each horse horse is unique right 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 <laughs> i got you there didn't i <laughs> i didn't know what to do with that <laughs> oh I, but so, yeah like you said the rye splice i i enjoyed as like, just tasting it after it's mellowed i did mm-hmm. get the the site says a tatatian tatatian do you know what I'm trying Tahitian? to say? Tahitian? Tahitian, yes. Tahitian vanilla <laughs> and black cherries. I get that in the finish, and it lingers. It's not a cheap bourbon that you taste it and it's gone. These flavors are hanging around on my tongue. I can get down with that. I I took a bigger swig there and didn't, like, I, I swigged it around a little bit. There's a little more sweetness to it. I'm still getting a burn as I talk. There's, I think the finish is probably the best part of the pour itself. Right. I would, I could nose this all day. This is one of the better noses in my mind. I think that when it comes to a, this is a home run nose, but when it comes to the full body of the pour, the finish, I think it's a little too rye forward up front for me for like an everyday player. I'm going to go with a bench on our rating system um, just because it's, I think it's a little more harsh. It is 107, so it's not for everybody. This is past that tier of uh, beginner's bourbons and like where you're starting to get to uh, where there's a little, yeah, and it's a little more of a punch. So you got to anticipate that. But I think this drinks hotter than a 107. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing um, of, benching this guy but the more i sip on it the more flavor bomb i'm getting after that rye spice um the rye is still there if i take the smaller sips like you're supposed to you know you're supposed to enjoy your bourbon you're not supposed to drink it you're supposed to yes exactly pinky out pinky out bitch that's right (laughs) (laughs) third week in a row we gotta write explicit on the damn podcast and you get your you know enjoy it but man if i if i i Enjoy the flavor after that rye, and the more little sips I take, the more I'm I'm going into the flavor bomb. Um, I might start drinking this more often. This is uh this is pretty good. 
I'm, I think I have to go with an everyday player for me. So Michael's going with an everyday player. How often do you rank something higher than I do? It's very seldom. It is. It is. Usually I'm I'm the... Uh... Yeah. Oh, he is the axe man, as I like to call him. There's a big shout out to Bobby. Uh, you can find him, Bad Axe Bourbon, on YouTube as well as on Instagram. He's awesome. He's funny. But yeah, he's the axe man. Hey, is that say another... Nope, he got another hit, but uh, it's not going to be an RBI. Uh, I might wind up in the pitch to Seiya, and oh, Seiya gets the base hit to left field. Uh, so Michael rated this an everyday player on our Barrels and Barrels of Bourbon and Baseball podcast rating scale. I went with a bench, and let's break it down. Michael, a Hall of Famer is our top category. We haven't ranked one of those yet, but that is the best of the best. That is the one that takes the cake. Only a handful of players make the Has Hall of Fame. everything you look for in a bourbon. Right, and we have yet to rank one of those. And we've then been, the next, we've, we've been is, close. We've been, we've been close. close there, and we heard that a couple of weeks ago with that blue note. But next is All Star. All Star is you've got an All Star on every team, right? By major league standards, there has to be an All Star on every team. But usually, there's two or three, sometimes four or five uh, on a pretty good team. Uh, that's the bottle that you want backups to your backup of. Uh, that's the bottle that you share with your favorite friends. You, you share with the people that love bourbon. And that's the one that is like your most coveted bottle that is not your Weller right. WLW. Right. That's the that's one you kind of you talk about. Like when, when we do this podcast and I re-listen to one that I rated an all-star. At that point, as I'm listening to our review of it, I want it again in that moment. Mm -hmm. That's how I know I rated it right, is when I want it again. And that blue note, I want it again. The rabbit hole, I want it again. Mm -hmm. And you just ranked this an everyday player. Can you explain to us and the listeners who are just tuning in for the first time what an everyday player is? Hey, everyday player is one that you enjoy, that you will go to um, often. It's not necessarily your favorite, but you think it is a good classic pour. Um, you're not you're not necessarily going to bottle kill this thing in a week like you might in All Star. Um, but then following everyday player is still valuable, is but is a bench player. He's got his strong points, but it's not something that you would regularly put in your glass and into your mouth. It's something that has, you know, maybe it's a, a dessert whiskey. Maybe it has, maybe it's high proof and you don't want to have to enjoy a high proof all that often. And then the last one, Brandon. DFA, that is designate for assignment. If you're designated for assignment as a baseball player, it means you're getting kicked off the major league roster and sent back down to the minors, traded or just cut in general. It just basically says, we don't want you here. And that's what a DFA means when it comes to the barrels and barrels of bourbon and baseball podcast rating scale. Uh, and so, have I, I think I've done one, right? You've done one. Michael I, is I, the ax man, as I've mentioned. I think he's got about a hundred at this point. <laughs> <laughs> as no, I was I putting up bourbon on my shelf, I ran into a DFA as I was putting all my bourbon back up. And I was like, so do I put this back, back up there? What do I, what do I do? With this? Which one was it? The green river. Oh, that's right. That's right. Like, we won't go down that road any longer. <laughs> Like, well, Mine is not well, on my shelf here. It's at my mom's house. So, <laughs> like, what do I do? Do I, do I keep it? Because I don't have that much shelf room, even though it's a lot of shelving. But I digress. <laughs> 
Uh, so that has been our rating of Pinhook Bourbon War 2021 Bourbon Whiskey, six-year bourbon whiskey from Pinhook. That is an MGP distillate. Uh, before we dive into baseball, I did want to talk about a couple of things that has happened in the bourbon world. Uh, did you see that Weller is putting out a new bottle? I saw the label. I think you shared it with me as well. Mm-hmm. It's something else. As I see it, I'm like, oh, cool. Something I won't get my hands on. Daniel Weller, <laughs> Emmer Wheat Recipe. 47% alcohol by volume. So it's going to be coming right at that 94 proof, which they say okay. is the cream of the crop when it comes to proofing. Uh, but it's just, again, another bottle that is going to be allocated that we're never going to see. Um, unless you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Well, what's the difference? What, what What's different about it from Weller Special Reserve to Weller Antique? That's the middleman so between the two. It's using a different grain, emmer wheat, um, which is an ancient grain that you usually don't see um, in whiskey. Okay. Em- emmer wheat? It's an Egyptian grain used in beer and bread, not very common in today's skills. Interesting. I wonder if it could end up being like Weller 12. In my opinion, Weller 12 is is closer to the bottom of that lineup. In I, I'm to, not a huge fan of Weller 12. I think it would be probably the worst of the five that I've tried. Is it worse than Special Reserve? I think so. For the price? For sure. For the price, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Even though the MSRP is 50 bucks or 45.99 or something like that when it comes to the 12, but you're not going to find it for that unless you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Uh, who has bent over for somebody. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is Daniel Weller, um, which is going to be that Emmer Weller, um, Emmer Wheat. The other news, uh, big news that dropped earlier this week, is Penelope was bought out by MGP Ingredients. Yeah. That is an awesome thing for Penelope. Congratulations to Penelope. There, nothing's going to change other than the better distri- distribution. That means it's going to be available for more people out there, which is awesome. Except in Alabama. Cap- <laughs> uh, it's going to be coming out in Alabama. I guarantee it now mm-hmm. that it's an MGP. How much? You know how much stuff is MGP sitting on the shelf in Alabama? About more 50%, than, if not more. Right, more than people realize. So what that's going to do for Penelope is it's just going to allow them to distribute it better. They're going to have more product. Everything's run by MGP now. MGP has bought in, um, Lux Road Distillers. They own Ross and Squibb, which is Remus. So they've got a very, very good foundation now to help just continue to distribute their stuff and make the same stuff. They're putting great stuff out there. We've already reviewed one of their bottles, the Toasted, with Brandon from Major League Bourbon. Uh, and I'm excited. They've got a new one coming out called Rio. I think it just hit the shelves, um, which is really cool. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw that. Uh, the, that, uh, that dude Ryan, dude Ryan. Yeah, yeah, that one dude Ryan just did a review on that. I saw, I saw Penelope. It was a six-year Penelope, and it had baseball seams on the sides of it. Hmm. And Brandon Lawson said he would ask somebody at Penelope about it, but we never got a response back. Because so then I saw one. I was like, well, do I buy this if if it's baseball sort? You know. Mm-hmm. I didn't because I didn't know why if it was just shame on you, Michael, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> but that okay, has been it. Can we move on now, Brandon? <laughs> yeah. Can we move on? And that has been it for the bourbon portion of the podcast. Now we turn to the baseball portion of the podcast, which we use trivia every week as our buffer. 
And this week's trivia is brought to you by Mitch Keller, Pirates pitcher who just threw Uh his first career complete game shutout. So this week's trivia question, Michael, has a a little bit of a tie-in with that. He's a Pirates pitcher, and the Pirates have been playing great baseball here to start the year. So the question is, when was the last complete game shutout by a Pirates pitcher, and who was it? It's got to be Garrett Cole. In 2015. Is that your final answer? It is. Um, I have to preface this. The last nine-inning complete game shutout. Because it has been done once before by Trevor Williams, who pitched a six-inning complete game shutout, but that one was delayed, uh, postponed. That was back in July of twenty uh, of twenty eighteen. But it is Jamison Tyone, now a current Cub. He did it on April eighth of twenty eighteen. So that same season, he go. did it versus the Reds um, with nine innings, eight strikeouts, and of course a shutout. Uh, so that is more than five years ago since the Pirates had their last complete game shutout. Mitch Keller just pitched an incredible game, his first complete game shutout. That was 370 games since the last complete game by a Pirates pitcher. And that was also Trevor Willing. Oh, no, that was Stephen Brault back in 2020. Uh, that was during the pandemic season. So the Pirates pitching has probably been their weakest point over the last half a decade. Which is so. funny because I want to say that the Pirates know how to draft and develop good pitching. In the early 2000s, it was Garrett Cole, Dion, Glasnow, and mm-hmm. there was there was a fourth, and now Mitch Keller. All good, like top, like top of the rotation type of guys. I'm not going to say aces, but good top of the rotation guys that they ship, shipped off. Yeah. I, other than those four, though, I can't really think of many other than Ryan Vogel's song, but that was way a long time ago. Trevor Williams kind of fell apart. So did Stephen Brault. When you have, I guess when you get to the major league level, when you get to the major league level and you have no defense behind you, probably, that's how you kind of fall apart. No, that's why, like, they're, that's why they're giving Justin Steele some props because he has such a great defense behind him. Yeah. Um, so Mitch Keller, that was a great game. And the excitement that he had, he's had a great year. He was a top 20 prospect when he got called up in 2019. He just hasn't put it together. This year, his ERA, I think, is down to 272 so far yeah. through seven or eight starts. He's having Pitching's a good year. He, and the Pirates are going to need him to do that. That's what they were hoping for. And he's getting closer to being at the point where they're going to have to make a decision, right? Are we going to trade him or are we going <laughs> to resign him, right? This is his fourth full league year. Um if you include 2020, which is, yeah. but this is going to be his first full four years in big leagues. So we're getting towards the end of that clock, so to speak. Um, before we jump into that, I want to talk about the players of the week. I have some gripes with it uh, coming out this week. There were two players who got players of the week. Sean Murphy, um, if you don't know him, he is actually a catcher for the Atlanta Braves. You wouldn't have known him last year because he played in Oakland. But now he's in Atlanta. He's having an incredible start to the season. He leads all Major League Baseball players uh, on the batting side with wins above replacement. He had a great week last week, and I think that that should have gone to Lourdes Guriel of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had the same war. He had the highest slugging in baseball. I think he was at 2,500 for an OPS last week. If you're in the twos, that's just unreal. Now, he only played four games 
of those six games, so his plate appearances were a little lower. But he had four home runs last week. He drove in a ton. He scored a bunch of runs. And by war standards, he was equal with Sean Murphy. I think that that's more of the Braves are in first place and second best team in the league. And that's who we're going to give it to. It's definitely, I mean, it's the same as the pitch, pitcher of the month. They went with the big market team that everybody knows, Garrett Cole, over um, smaller market, Minnesota Twins, smaller Sunny name, Gray. Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah, so all credit goes to Sean Murphy. He went 9 for 25, three home runs, a double, five, run, uh, five runs, and 12 RBI. But look at these statistics. They're right here on the side of the screen on YouTube. That's another reason to go check out YouTube. Lourdes Guriel Jr. went 8 for 14, so that's above 500. Four home runs, so out of all the hits he had, half of them were out of the ballpark. Nine runs, six RBIs. Here's his slash line, 571. 684, 1429. So it was a 2113 OPS. That's a player you'd fear when he'd step in the box as a pitcher. If he's hitting that with those numbers. Right. So all the props to Sean Murphy. And he did it from the catcher position, which is a tough, demanding, and he's been great on defense. But I do think if you just, if you got rid of the names and you just looked at the numbers and chose the numbers, I think you'd go with Lourdes in my mind. And that's the biggest gripe I have in the American League. Because American League Player of the Week is a guy who has been hitting very well, Masataka Yoshida from Boston. Masataka Yoshida. Um, who has had a really great stretch the last couple of weeks, not just last week. He was it was like the 25. first week. The first week he was quiet, and then all of a sudden he has just gone off. Yeah, and with a Boston team that's just gone off. But... 12 for 25, two home runs, two walks, seven runs, eight RBI, and he had a 480 average. That's great. But here's the issue. Luis Robert. I got to see Robert. him in action. Robert, by the way. It's Robert now. Oh, he, cha- he you, changed it? He's, he's changed it back and forth three times. It's Luis Robert. Luis Robert Jr. Yep. It used to be Robert. Now it's Robert. And then what is Robert again? And it's bad back and forth. Luis Robert. I saw him play last week, and I went to two games in Cincinnati on Friday and Saturday. Let's just call him Luis Bobby. <laughs> Luis Bobby. A Lou Bob is what they actually call him in Chicago. Lou oh, Bob. really? Yeah. That's <laughs> His awesome. His name is Lou Bob. So we're going to call him Lou Bob from now on. I made the joke because during warm-ups, I saw him run, and I said, hey, he does know how to run because mm-hmm. a week ago on Saturday, he was benched for not running the ball out. Since then, here's what he did over the six games following. 10 for 19, two home runs, three doubles, seven runs, seven RBI, a 526 batting average, a 654 on base percentage, 1,000 OPS in a 1654 uh, OPS. I think Yoshida's was like 1,200. He outslugged him and outperformed him. If you looked at numbers side by side, it should have been Lubob. I think you mentioned That's why you think. Of why Luis Robert got got benched and it was real mm-hmm. bad publicity for himself and the white Sox. so i think that tainted robert robert bobby lou bob damn it bobby <laughs> so i think that tainted him a little bit to say hey a guy who didn't run out to first base and i think if you had to had those guys side by side and you had that kind of feel i'm gonna give it to the other guy 
So I would have given it to two other people, three other people in the AL over Yoshida, though. Go look at Salvador Perez. Go look at Dalton Varsho. They both had better weeks last week, and I believe there was another player in the American League. Oh, Santander from the Orioles had a better week than Yoshida. So why is it that he got it? If you're looking at this for player of the week, you've got to look at the numbers and you've got to take the equation of who they play for, where they play for. It's a player of the week. It's not what happened a week and a half ago. It's not what happened over the weekend when you got benched. It's not that player. It's the statistics and what he meant for his team. Luis Robert had the best war among players in all of baseball last week by 0.3 more than anybody. Right. And he was not even considered basically that's my gripe and that's where i comes to when it comes to awards why are you, it's it's not going to the correct person and that's my issue so that brings me to another point if benching a guy really has an effect because robert was benched for not running out to first and from that point on was player of the week mm-hmm. javier baez was benched for forgetting how many number of outs since then he has hit three home runs only four strikeouts, and actually bef- before today, he only had one strikeout in his last 23 appearances at the plate. So Javier Baez, since being benched, is batting 281, 361, 562. That's old Javier Baez right there, since, mm-hmm. the, since the benching. Can you trust it, Brandon, that it's not just a one-week hot streak and... Baez could be back. I do think that you have to stay. Javi is the kind of guy I think you have to stay on. Right? And I think that's how Lubob is. And that's that's on you as a manager because you have to know your players. You have to know who needs to be ridden. You have to know who needs to be yelled at. You You have to know who needs to be babied. Right? Like each person is different. They're not all the same. If we were all the same, we'd all be robots. We'd all be easy to coach right some players are more coachable some players aren't Uh, I do think that this is Javi's shown it right for years it wasn't just a flash in the pan when he was runner-up for AL or NL MVP in what 2018 2019 he had another year where he was fantastic and then from there he started to fade 2020 really was the year that he fell off the planet uh so runner-up in 2018 and then 2019 he wasn't as great but he was still great right his counterpart I mean, the, the, he might have just sparked the Detroit Tigers with that benching. The manager might have just made a move. There's now Riley Green, who has moved to a bench role now suddenly in his last seven games, seven days, is batting 400, 455, 600. <laughs> and he, that's what they expected out of him last year out of center field. So suddenly the Detroit Tigers have moved into... What is this? Hold on. Second place Hold in on. their division. Second yeah. place in their division. Yeah. They've they've won seven of their last ten. They've upped that run differential, and they're playing good baseball. Yeah, uh, they are one of the best teams in the American League right now. Um, by statistics and by the way they're playing, they're pitching, their defense, they're hitting. They're they've almost the back pieces. to five hundred. Yeah, they've got the pieces. We'll talk more about them as we get to our. Uh, our rankings this week, which is a little bit later on in the episode. A couple series to talk about this past weekend. Two great series, the Dodgers versus the Padres, which is always fun. Um, big rivalry now. Both teams are competitive. 
both teams have a ton of talent. Uh, it did um, It did play out where the Dodgers took two of the three from the Padres. Great series, though. Great series. Great pitching. Just all-around fun. Tatis in game one. Did you see what they did to Clayton Kershaw on the scoreboard? I did. after Because Tatis took Kershaw yard twice. 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 And they put a crying Clayton Kershaw on the scoreboard. Uh, was that the day after or was it the day of? I think it was the post-game. Post-game. Which, did you see Kershaw's reaction? Yeah, he said if I would have pitched better, they wouldn't have done that. Right. So, I mean, let's go, Clayton Kershaw. Yes. That's what it's right. all about. Not, don't get right. pissed off about it. Use it as, hey, you know what? If I pitch better, that's not up there. That's on me. And he did I'm going to strive to do better. And he did today. And he shut down the Brewers today um, with seven oh, innings, Brewers. I think. Yeah. Well, again, well, something we'll get to in our ratings um, and rankings of the top ten here in just a few minutes. Another this was my favorite series of the weekend. I watched a lot of baseball this weekend. I went to the Reds-White nice. Sox game twice. I watched a lot of the Cubs. But the series I watched the most of, there were two of them. This one, Baltimore versus Atlanta, where it was at the time the two teams with the two best records outside of the Tampa Rays. It was mm-hmm. Atlanta right. and Baltimore. Baltimore took game one, 9-4. to four. Game two, Atlanta won in the bottom of the eighth with Kevin Pillar's 100th career home run. And if it wasn't for that, the Baltimore Orioles probably win that game. And then game three went 12 innings long, and the Orioles lost to the Atlanta Braves on a Michael Harris double. double. Walk-off double to end the game. So there's three games that basically came down to the wire outside of game one where it was it, it had a World Series kind of feel too, right? American League. T- I was just about to say, could you see that as a World Series preview right there? And great, it, it those be. were great games. It could they were they were fantastic games. The pitching was great. The defense that was a lot of fun. The other series that I liked was Seattle versus Houston. An amazing comeback on Saturday night with Seattle coming back. They were down, and they scored seven runs in the bottom of the eighth to come and wow. win, uh, taking the victory against Houston, who's like their daddies, right? For the you last love couple those. Years. If you're a Seattle yeah. fan and you score that many runs in a game, that is some of the most exciting baseball. That to just see your game. team, right, to just see your team know they didn't give up and that they're just going to keep playing and put up those many runs like, wow, we scored two runs. This is awesome. Oh, my gosh, three. Can we be stopped? That, right. And the just... best part of all of this, they scored all of that with two outs in the bottom of the eighth, and they had nine straight runners reach base, which you would have seen if you follow us on YouTube because we put out a YouTube short on that. Um, shameless plug. Uh, so go check us out, YouTube at Barrels and is that shameless plug pop. when it's our own stuff? Yes, it's still shameless because it's us. Watch um, our shit. <laughs> again, explicit. Got to market. Got to remember. Uh, so those three series are probably my favorite. Another team that rolled this weekend we have to talk about. We already talked about one of their players, Yoshida. The Boston Red Sox went on an eight-game winning streak, which just finally ended uh, with the Phillies' win on Sunday. And then on Monday, they were off. They lost last night to the Braves. And currently, uh, they are playing the Braves in the bottom of the seventh. The Red Sox outfield could arguably be, be one, right now, one of the hottest outfields. Mashataka Yoshida, Alex Verdugo, and Jaron Duran. Over the last, I want to say, 14 days, I would say their average average batting average is 350. It's got to be. That's with some guys hitting in the 400s and some hitting like 325. 350 might be lowballing it. 
their outfield is on fire. If you look at their baseball savant, their statistics, which is a, a great page to look at. Go to the baseball savant. You look up a player, and it shows like their slugging percentage. It shows exit velocity. Yeah, exit velocity, swing percentage, chase percentage. All of their numbers are red hot, red, red hot. That they are on can't be stopped right now. And they're currently beating the Braves as we're watching this here in the bottom of the seventh. Um, and here's another thing of note: they're beating the Braves three to two. If Kenley comes in tonight, Kenley Jansen could get his 400th career save, which would only be the seventh person to ever reach that milestone. So that real quick, do you think that that makes him a Hall of Famer? If he's the seventh person to have sa- seven, top seven to be saves? Mm-hmm. I believe the top three are the only ones I mean, who have. When the guy was with the, the Dodgers, he was a force. He was a force closer. I, I would say he's he's in the running. I'm not. I, I I have to look the rest of his stats, but just to be in the 400 saves club for what he did in L.A., who knows if L.A. is be able to have that kind of run without him? Right. But he's definitely in the he, discussion. I think he is more so because of the fact that he's not done yet. I don't think making 400 is going to get him there. He's seventh on the all-time list right now. He's behind Mariano. Trevor, and then in third place is Lee Smith, and then the next three ahead of him are not in the Hall of Fame, and that is Frankie Rodriguez, John Franco, Billy Wagner. Kenley's at three ninety nine. He's probably gonna. He's got another year and a half left on his deal, and he said he wants to continue to pitch from there. So I'm gonna say he's gonna get twenty five a year for the next four years. That's another hundred. That would put him third on the list, and that's where I think he becomes a Hall of Famer. All all course has to deal with health. But um, I do think that when all is said and done, like you said, he was one of the most feared closers in the game. Uh, He was a shutdown closer. Right behind him, actually, is Craig Kimbrell with 397. So Kimbrell probably hits 400 this year if he gets Kimbrell has less than him? Yeah, because he's been hurt a bit. And he missed, remember, he missed in 2021. He missed the first two months because when he came to the Cubs, he didn't pitch for... He he got signed in June, so I think that the coolest thing about who are we talking about? Oh, Kenley. The coolest thing about Kenley Jansen, he was a catcher coming up mm-hmm. through the system, and they're like, "Dude, you've got a cannon!" And they threw him on the mound, and I think that's why he was he do, he doesn't have an ar- full arsenal, mm-hmm. but he was just had such an arm. They said, "Hey, let's try you out at pitcher." Either that or he couldn't hit. I don't know his full story. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> Sometimes, well, and catching is a tough position to hit at because you're you're juggling so much. And usually as a catcher, it takes longer to get into the big leagues. And they may have just seen something there with him and they were like, yep, no, we're going to just, uh, we're just going to jet, jettison you right up to the bigs right now. Right. But right. so you, you were talking about the outfielders for the um, Red Sox. How, how long do you want to go back? Um, I would say at least the last two weeks, they're, they're probably all batting 400. Okay. So April 23rd through, so April 24th through May 10th. Last 14 days, Yoshida is batting 356, 408, 644. Verdugo is batting 326, 396, 628. And who is the last guy? Jaron Duran. Is batting 341, 396, 545. Yeah, they've been incredible. 
that, been that, incredible. Uh, right now, our our ranking outfield that they're number one. Yes, because I do think that uh, there's a team in the NL who's pretty good outfield, but one of them looks like Kosuke Fukudome right now, so can't include them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm talking you about got, our you own. You do have Acuna, Acuna, Michael Harris, but left field is. Who's in left field know. for the Braves? There's Pilar or Ozuna. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Ozuna's. <laughs> so Ozuna has like 10 hits this year, and five of them are home runs or something along those lines. It's like he either hits or strikes out. He Someone tweeted news out. in fantasy baseball like, hey, Marcel Ozuna hit four home runs in his last six games. And I commented simply, sell high on Ozuna. <laughs> <laughs> this is, he's uh, at his highest value ever. Uh, Yoshida just struck out versus Anderson, Nick Anderson on the Braves. So we're going to do a little bit of play-by-play. I know Joe Campbell probably watching this live, but we're just going to make you relive the pain if the Boston Red Sox win the game. Sorry to Kyle out there as well, as well as Smooth. But uh, Smooth, it costs a lot to send you your shirt. The next team on the list is a team that I think has been underrated. Um, The Arizona Diamondbacks, man. You talked about them before the year. And I was kind of on the fence when he mentioned him. But this team, young, fun. They've got talent. They're underrated. They're in a division that they're overshadowed by a lot of teams, specifically San Diego and L.A., but even in the last couple of years, the Giants. But Arizona, man, you were high on them from the beginning. I remember in the offseason you talked a bunch about the Diamondbacks. Because, again, they have they have children coming. They've Of course <laughs> – Topped by Corbin Carroll, but last year Alec Thomas came up, who was a top 10 prospect. Mm-hmm. I've been forgotten about just because he hasn't jumped the gun right, right away. He's got speed. So you got Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lourdes, who they Lourdes, got with the Dalton Varsho trade. Jake McCarthy, they were very high on, a fourth outfielder for him. They were very high on him. Their infield of Cattell Marte. Could be one of the better fielding shortstops in the game second baseman right now oh second baseman uh, i'm second thinking base. yep i'm thinking of ahmed as at short who's one of the right. better shortstops in the game christian walker hit at first base hit 36 home runs last year mm-hmm. as a first baseman that's what you need out of first base you can't ask for more nope and then catcher they got delton Farsho and yeah. uh gabriel moreno Pitching, no, they traded, they've got, they traded Varsho to the, uh, to the Blue Jays. Yeah. To the Blue Jays. So, and but they got, they got Moreno Blues. back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But bullpen-wise, Gallon's looking like an ace. He, he's he's competing for Cy Young. Yeah, in the rotation. he Right now, he's my front runner for Cy Young because the stuff he's doing is incredible. Um, but, yeah, last week, Christian Walker was like the fifth best player in baseball, and he didn't even get – uh, looked at for NL Player of the Week, but that Diamondbacks team there. I think the starting rotation. Merrill Kelly's been great so far. Merrill to start, Kelly's been great. They've um, got kids. They've got big kids coming. They've got. Um, let's see. This is Fott just got called up. Fott just got called up. So he's but he's going had to be... two rough starts. But mm-hmm. hey, it's, but he's young. it's two. It's two. Ryan Nelson and Tommy Henry are the only other two in the staff right now because Zach Davis is on the L- uh, IL, which is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Nelson, uh, he's not had the best year. It's really the Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly show, and then that offense. They're putting up some runs. They're putting up a decent amount of runs. They're putting up 187, the second highest in the division, and that is the 
third highest in the NL out of all teams. So I think props to them, to the ownership and GM for moving on from Madison Bumgarner this Mm -hmm. early in the season. Right. Go ahead and give your future kids the chance who you believe in to be studs and let them learn. They've dominated minor leagues. There's no need to send them back down. Let them learn at the major league level. Right. And I'm, you know what I'm going to give them props to is keeping Tori Lovello, uh, the head coach, the manager right. of the team. They've had a couple of down years. They didn't give him the best talent to work with in those years, right. but he got the most out of his players. And when he's got talent on the field, we saw it when they went to the playoffs um, a couple of years ago. He, he had a great year with the Diamondbacks. This team... I think has a sneaky chance at making I I don't think long standing that they're going to have the lead in the NLS. I think that the Padres and the Dodgers at some point are going to play and I think the Dodgers are starting to play more like the Dodgers that we expected they them are. to be. They um, are. Somehow they don't even have right. the, that great of talent and they're right. doing well, it. And and they've lost a lot of the talent that they used to have, but they just continue like Outman. Where'd Outman come from? But the Diamondbacks, I think, are a sneaky wild card pick this year, and I think that they're making a run for the division at the top of the year next year. Um, I think they... I think I had the Padres winning the division with the Diamondbacks winning the wild card and the Dodgers missing the playoffs. I'm gonna have to look back at our at our episode for that. I don't, I don't but, know off the I top mean, of my head. I don't think is... I think I think you had the Cubs instead of the Diamondbacks. The the Dodgers may have been missing the two shortstops. Altman came out of nowhere, so you kind of look at this as their rebuild year a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they're still good. They're still figuring things they're out. Still in first place. And the dangerous thing about them is, if you go and look at their top twenty prospects, thirteen of them have an ETA of two thousand twenty three or two thousand twenty four. So and they have that's the Dodgers. They have studs ready. At the call. I mean, you look at it's got it's Dustin May, Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw, and, and Dustin May just came back. You're gonna have Bueller come back. Tony Gonsolin. Bueller's not is not gonna pitch this year, but you've got Gavin Stone. Is he Bobby, out for the whole Bobby year? Miller. I thought he was Till coming September. back. Right, so he's gonna be in September. So he's gonna be your closer. He's gonna be your closer in the playoffs if you make it. So right. right. The Dodgers might be rebuilding. They got I don't even know who the, they got. Rojas at shortstop. That's probably not who you who their first pick was. Um, they're just waiting for Shohei Otani to take over in left field for him, and they're good. I just looked it up. You did not have the Diamondbacks. You had the Mets, the Phillies, and the Cubs as your wild card teams, and the Padres as your NL West champ. Just That's to right. do a little bit of reconnaissance, good, good. but. Uh, yeah, the, the, that team's been a very surprising team. I love it. I love to see team. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. I love seeing teams that aren't usually at the top of their division, like the Baltimore Orioles, the Pirates, the Blue Jays, different parody in the game, right? Right. That's what we love baseball, parody. Mm-hmm. Parody. And it's great to see. And it's happening all over the place this year. And it's happening in the NL Central with the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're still in first place. They're still in first place because the Brewers continue to lose. But the the Cardinals were supposed to be the class of that division, right? And they have been trash until the last three games. But we're not going to talk about that. Right now they're losing 9-3 to to the Cubs and they're likely to lose. So we're going to hop on that bandwagon of them being terrible again uh, as they are now down 10-3 to as Christopher Morrell just drives in a run. 
Uh, so you, the Cardinals. You know why they're you know why they're bad? Pitching. They are being defense. They're being mismanaged. They have the pitching. They have the pitching. Matthew Libertor has spent three years in AAA. The dude has nothing else to prove. Jordan Walker has nothing else to prove. They, he got sent back have, down, didn't he? Right. They, but then they have Alex Burleson, Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, and two more outfielders. So they have five outfielders for three positions, and they were lacking at pitching. They sat the whole offseason on those five outfielders when they should have traded one away. Right. For a pitcher. Now they're stuck and no one's going to trade away a pitcher in May. No one. No one's going to trade a pitcher away in May. Unless you're the Marlins. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so they have, I think they're being mismanaged. Oh, the, the Tyler O'Neill incident didn't help the clubhouse. I think they went, that, I think that really declined them on a, on a record scale. They need to clean house, get Marmol out. Get I was going to say, do you think Marmol's the issue? You think Marmol's the Marmel issue? Get Marmol out, step one. Yep. Revitalize that clubhouse with somebody new who says, hey, you know what? You're a winning ball team. You guys are a winning ball club. You have the talent. Let's go do this. That's all it takes right there is get Marmol right. out of there. Bring Libertor up, fresh pitcher. Get Wilson Contreras at DH. Actually, I need to yeah. stop you right there. I need to stop you right there for a couple of reasons. We don't want the the Cardinals to hear the great ideas that we're throwing out there <laughs> because we want them to stay terrible because we're right. Cubs fans. But as baseball fans, <laughs> I do want to see success and I want to see competition, right? But it is fun. Sorry, Cardinals fans. Lisa, Eric, I know you guys listening. I know this is a rough year for you guys, but you guys have been like the class of this division for like God knows how long forever yeah outside of a couple of years here or there it is fun to see this the wilson Contreras thing where he's been a failure so far until monday when they came here and played the cubs but we're not going to talk about that moving on <laughs> there's been a lot of good pitching so i think what was a surprise is how bad the pitching was or at least how great the hitting was for the first couple of weeks of the season there were some good pitching performances but i think as a whole Pitchers suffered with the new rules. I think we're starting to see a little bit of a change over the last couple of weeks. A little adjustment. And the pitching, man, has been stellar. Have you seen what has gone on in Detroit? You mentioned Detroit, not only their their games, but do you see what Eduardo Rodriguez has done? I saw a tweet earlier today that the best starting pitcher in baseball is in Detroit. Yeah, I was the one who tweeted that <laughs> from our account. <laughs> <laughs> the best starting did you retweet, pitcher. Did you retweet it or do you no, tweet? No, I, I tweeted it. I made the graphic that you see right here on the screen, right here, Michael. It says the last six starts, forty-one and two-thirds of an inning, two runs, two. Where did he come from? Ghost. He went from the Red Sox to Red being, Sox to the struggling. Tigers. Yeah, and yeah, the dude has a year. zero in the last three starts. He's got a zero point four three ERA, and I think what my statistic I follow. 0.48 whip. Yeah, his whip is incredible. He's got 22 hits over 42 in a third inning. These are his last six starts. You just said three starts. Go back to April 12th. 41.2 innings pitch. 0.44 ERA. 0.44 ERA in six starts. 41 strikeouts. So that's nearly a strikeout an inning because it's 41.2. So it's going to be like right. 8.89 or whatever. And tonight, or earlier today, seven innings shutout baseball. A couple of weeks ago, he threw eight innings of shutout baseball. 
He's had four starts where he didn't give up a run. He got the loss. Oh, he's 4-0. He didn't get the loss. But in the game, he pitched eight innings a shutout. I think they lost an extra innings. So he could very easily be 5-0. and He's been stellar. He Right now, I would give him the AL Cy Young Award with these numbers. 1-5-7 ERA on the season. That's third best in baseball behind Sonny Gray and the guy who was pitching tonight for the Cubs, Justin Steele. But I think Justin, with the two runs that he's given up, his ERA is now ballooned up to one. His Steele's 1.82 ERA, so not as high. But still below two i think his key there the is list. four walks in those 34 in, in 34 innings of his five i only have five starts listed here yeah he's only it, got four walks it, it's been insane a great and that's great again parody he's been he's been great another detroit pitcher. has the pieces man they have the spencer torkelson at first base that's why last year I thought they were a sneaky undercard pick to finish higher in that division. I think I talked in our predictions episode that I think that they were going to finish higher than a few teams in their division than you had anticipated earlier this year. Just because I do think A.J. Hinch is a very good manager. He won a World Series with the Astros. Now we know what happened with that Astros team, but I think he's still a very good manager. Right? <laughs> you buzzing over there? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my new tattoo your new tattoo um the kellers um right mitch keller has been great i meant the millers bryce miller with the seattle mariners his first right. two career starts insane uh he gave up zero runs in another six innings this weekend versus the astros in his first 12 innings in the bigs a 75 a 0.75 era 15 strikeouts one earned run four hits uh, insane there. Mason Miller pitched another great game after that seven innings of no-hit performance the other day. Zach Eflin just returned for the Rays like the Rays need any more help, right? He came in with seven innings of shutout baseball. The unfortunate news for the Rays is Tyler Glasnow came back with uh, a setback oh, no. in his That's rehab. But the Rays continue to win, and we'll get to that again in our rankings here in just a second. Alex Cobb has been doing things in San Francisco that you didn't expect. (laughs) He had a good year last year, too. He did. In San Francisco. He did. He's got a 2.01 ERA right now in 40 innings. He's 2-1, though, because of the team he plays for. But... Mitch Keller, we already talked about. Mitch Keller's got four and one with a two seven two ERA, one point three WAR. Uh, Nathan Yovaldi, did you see what he did again? He's got a twenty yes. consecutive scoreless inning streak. He's got the second best WAR amongst pitchers in baseball, tied with Garrett. So the Cole, whole season, 7. the whole season. It's because his ERA is three point two two. He had a couple of rough starts, but he's gone twenty straight innings without giving up a run. Framber, that always helps. Those yeah, helps. <laughs> definitely helps. Framber is really <laughs> starting to turn it on. Uh, he had a great game last night. I think eight. Framber eight is the quality start king, man. So if I had money to put on someone as a long shot for a Cy Young award, Framber Valdez right now is 20 to 1 for your money. He's pitching as the 10th best pitcher in the majors right now, and he's behind Garrett Cole, Otani, McClanahan, Luis Castillo, Kevin Gosman, and he's six on the list. So. That would be a sneaky. If you've got a couple bucks that you want to try to just maybe turn into forty bucks, two dollars to forty dollars, Framber is a sneaky, sneaky pick for AL Cy Young. So far, he's got a two three eight ERA. He's three and four. He's not getting a whole lot of run support. I think the easiest thing to look at in a quality pitcher is quality starts. Don't look at wins. Wins is very right. offensive related. Quality starts 
is more focused on the pitcher. He's in first place in quality starts, tied with Marcus Stroman and Shane Bieber. Yep, and Marcus Stroman's been great. He's in the top um, what, 15 in ERA in the league, along with Justin Steele. So the Cubs have two great pitching. They're, they're Stroman starting. and Valdez have identical lines, identical. Stroman's given up a little bit more hits, but or more walks, less hits, but more, but in less strikeouts. So Framber, they have identical whips, identical ERAs, identical quality starts. I've got Stroman at two point two eight and Framber's at two point three eight. Just yep. for yep. So yeah, I mean that's that's pretty close. To pretty close, right? So both both of them. I don't believe in Stroman's. Long term, I know Long you hate term. Marcus Stroman. Michael is the biggest hater of Marcus Stroman in the game. I don't, so I don't believe in him to be a top of the rotation type of guy. Framber showed it last year with twenty four straight quality starts. Mm-hmm. And if you if your starting pitcher can give you a quality start, that's a great you know recipe to win a ball game. Mm-hmm. But the name I really want to talk about on YouTube, you can only see this. I'm adjusting my hat. Corbin Carroll. No. It is my guy, Zach Allen. He's the <laughs> best pitcher in baseball outside of Eduardo Rodriguez right now. He leads the entire league in war, or at least F-war from fan graphs. 2.4. He had another great outing last night. He's got a 2.36 ERA, 11.6 K per nine. He's only walking one per nine, so that strikeout-to-walk ratio is like 10.8. <laughs> The dude's got six walks in 50 innings. Yep. And he's striking out, what, 64 over 64 50 innings? Yeah. over that 50 innings. And he had one rough start, and that was his last start before last night. So he right. has been insane, very underrated. And I want to just – let me just double-check where he's at when it comes to NL Cy Young Award because that might be another name you might want to throw some money. Okay, he's second on the list, Spencer Strider right now. Well, they're actually tied for – the top. So Spencer Strider and Zach Gallon at plus two thir- uh, two thirty. So that means two dollars and thirty cents for every dollar you bet. Uh, that's not the best bang for your buck. He had better odds earlier in the year, but he's had an incredible season. If that continues, the Diamondbacks will continue to stay as a team to be reckoned with. Um, and speaking of the Diamondbacks to be him. a team to be they reckoned with, let's turn to our top ten. Before we get there, though, I have one thing I want to point out. Did you see the standings quirk in the American League? I did see that, how the East and Central lined up perfectly. Yeah, so if you go to MLB.com and you look at MLB.com slash standings, and this is as of May 10th, 2023, the way the AL East and the AL Central are listed on the website, it always lists East to Central to West. The entire AL East has better records than the the AL Central. So that would mean that the last place Yankees, yes, you heard that right. All is right in the world. The last place Yankees, sorry, JP, sorry, uh, uh, Jesse. I don't even think Jesse listens. Uh, The last place Yankees would be in first place by a game over the Minnesota Twins. That's how great that AL East is. Yeah, every team is above 500. Every team is above 500 uh, and by more than four, four games or more. And they all have a positive run differential. 
So that turns to the standings that we have, Michael, of our top 10 rankings, our power rankings of our baseball team so far here early on in the season. This is our third installment. This is going to be week six of the baseball season. I'm assuming, I haven't looked at your list yet, but I'm assuming nothing has changed among our top two. You are correct. I have Tampa Bay Rays at number one, hard to argue it, and Atlanta Braves number two. Yeah, Tampa at 29-8, and eight, and the Braves are currently 25-11, and 11, likely to become 25-12 and 12 after tonight. But tonight does not play into our power rankings. These are as of the morning of May 10th, 2023. So the Braves have won 8 out of their last 10. Uh, the Rays are 7 out of their last 10. They have the two best records in baseball. The Braves just beat the second best team in the American League this weekend in a three-game series. Even though they were close games, you still have to give it to the Braves. Yep. So I'm going with the the Rays and the Braves. Who is your third team? Number three, I've got Texas. Texas has won seven of their last three. Their run differential jumped. It is now 82, which is good for second best in the American League by far. Second best in baseball. Is it second best in baseball? Mm-hmm. Right. So second best in baseball, but for the American League, the next closest from their 82 is Baltimore. 29, and that's Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So Texas's offense is here to play. Um, if you have a starting pitching matchup in fantasy, sit that pitcher against Texas right now. Mm-hmm. I have Texas in fifth. Okay, they're on your board. They're on your board. I really teetered back and forth. Texas was six last week, so they make a jump in my board by one. Uh, so they're in fifth. My third place team is the Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers we talked about earlier on in the podcast. In their last ten games, they're eight and two. They right. beat the Padres, their rival, this past weekend. They're twenty three and fifteen. They have the best record behind the Braves in the NL. So they've second best record in the NL. They've got a team on paper that should win that division, right? They're playing like one of the better teams in baseball. When you go 8 and 2, hard to really rank you any lower than 3rd when you've already been uh, they were 4th in my ranking last week and they jumped the Baltimore Orioles who I still think are a great team. And before this weekend, I had them as the second best team in baseball until the Braves beat them, but I have the Orioles at 4 on the list, Mikey. Yeah, I have um, L.A. right behind Texas. I've got L.A. at four and Baltimore five. So, I mean, you could really – those those five teams right there are all hard to – you know, those are the top teams in baseball right now. Yeah. And I think three, four, um, and five you could kind of put in any order depending on the series the of the, stri- the, uh, series, the hot streak, right? right? The Dodgers were eight and two. The Rangers were seven and three. And the Baltimore Orioles were six and four in their last ten games, so I kind of ranked them in that order. And the Pittsburgh Pirates were one and nine. Oh, sorry, we're not there yet. Yes. So that was your three, four, and five. Who was your number six? Number six, Boston moved, kept moving up. They were my eight last week. Boston is six. They uh, they keep hitting. They've they've improved that run differential. They were the second team to hit two hundred runs this weekend. Um. I just hope that they can find something. Maybe Chris Sale figures it out and gives them someone they can rely on. Uh, maybe Brian Bello can give it to them, but they just need pitching, and that team could be a force. Mm-hmm. They are a very they're the third highest scoring team in the league. 
I have them seventh. They made one of the bigger jumps, five from 12 to seven in my rankings. I'm going with Toronto ahead of them. Toronto was on my list last week at seven until they lost the last two and they've they've been three out of seven here so but yeah that, that doesn't that hurt them for me that doesn't include the game today though they were four and six coming into today so it wasn't as bad um they still are scoring runs their pitching scares me but i do think overall they've got great pitching and they their, their pitching just hasn't figured out gosman right well Manoa. gosman pitched great today uh versus the phillies do you see how they lost the game today no i'm not a ground ball double play by Harper, and I think Bichette threw it into the stands to end the game. Oh, no. It would have ended the inning, an ending, ending double Bichette. play. It's on our Instagram oh, no. story right now, I believe. Yeah, Dang. and uh, we were speaking of Kenley Jansen earlier. He is currently in to get the save. Unless he falls apart, um, he's going to get it because they're up 5-2 to two here in the top of the ninth. So I better get this tweet ready. Um, so I had the Blue Jays at six, Boston at seven. You had the Red Sox at six. Who was your seventh team? Seven is the New York Yankees. They are oh at the bottom of the AL East, but they are on a three-game winning streak. And I believe those wins are coming, not all three, but the wins are coming against the Tampa Bay Rays. I know at one point they were winning 6-0 to zero against the Rays. Um, so they have the same record as the Boston Red Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, but they have the best run differential. So a little bit of, of a bad streak for the Yankees, but they, they've won three in a row and against a good team. So I've got them number seven. And then number eight, I've got the brand new to the top ten, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. How about that? They have one of the better records in the AL outside of the AL East. They probably have they have the third best record outside of the AL East. No, second best record outside of the AL East. Um, they've won six of their last four. Their run differential is increasing, and they're playing. They're they're winning games against good ball teams. So you had in seventh the Yankees. I have them in fourteenth because I do not believe in what's going on. They just- I don't believe. They just got Judge back, who's going to help them. But this did not include today's rankings, um, where they I right. think they beat the Rays today, right? So they've won two in a row against the Rays, but that did not inc- be that was not included in today's ratings. So they're in 14th. They did make the biggest jump for me. They went from 21st to 14th in my standings. There you go. Um, but in my seventh place is Boston, right behind Toronto. So. Six is Toronto, seven for Boston, and then eighth for me is so the Arizona Diamondbacks. Come, let me let me pause you there. How can you put Toronto front of Boston? They have identical records. Because you're looking at the records before today. They were still still Boston had an eight game winning streak before two days ago. Mm-hmm. And, and Toronto, Toronto lost three of their last ten. Or I'm sorry, they've lost seven of their last ten. Correct. At the time of the rankings, they had only lost one in a row. They were four and six, and the Red Sox were eight and tw- eight and two. I'm just that that winning eight game winning streak. Right, but they also had a better record than Boston at that point in time. They'd given up less runs than Boston has at this point in time. I think as a team, they are better than the Red Sox. Okay. So all of that together, that's why I went one step above the Red Sox, Michael. <laughs> Where do I have Toronto? I don't have. 
Number eight on my list is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who we've gone over quite a bit already here. So right. Far They're the my number nine. They're my number nine. And my number nine is the same team as last week, just because they're leading their division. I didn't really want to do it, but I didn't. It was either them I, or the Angels. I did. But the Minnesota Twins. No, 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 no. Your you, number Minnesota Twins is your number nine. Correct. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said that was ten. Sorry. No, I said number nine is just because they're leading their division. Listening is a skill, Michael. We teach our daughter I, to I, use your listening ears. I've got data. I've got data on two screens here. And, so, uh, yes. All right. So Minnesota at nine. I couldn't nine. put Minnesota in based on their last ten, their losing streak right now. They're leading um, their division. They're four and six in their last ten at the time of the rankings. Right. They right. Were four the, for their the last ten. Rankings, I don't care too much about divisions. I'm looking at, I got at nine, the Arizona Diamondbacks which you have one step up at eight. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my 10th team is the Houston Astros who have been, I really wanted to bump them down one more, but I don't know if I necessarily believe in the angels who I have ranked 11, but the Houston Astros are my 10th team. They have lost six out of their last 10. They lost two or three to the Mariners. Um, I do think that they are struggling mostly because of injuries. They are without a lot of players in their lineup. They just lost an arm in their rotation. They haven't had any out, uh, any output from McCullers at all yet this year. Nope. So do you think when they start to get their reinforcements back, they're still a top 10 team? They're just not playing like it right now. Right, right. No, Houston, uh, they don't have Altuve. They're, they're probably clubhouse leader. Um, so... Um, Number 10, I don't have Houston. I have Houston down a little bit further. But I've got the San Diego Padres as my number 10. Um, they they improved, I think, the run differential. They played the Reds, which they took two or three from. They played great ball games against the Dodgers. And then they took um, one yesterday against the Twins, 6-1. and one. So I've got Tatis has been helping. I think he's he hit two home runs like we said off Kershaw, so I've got San Diego at ten. So San Diego started week one or week four for us, for me at ten, bounced out in week two in week five, and now they're back. I must so. have something against San Diego because I've had them fifteenth in every single one of my rankings. <laughs> the biggest the bot dropper, team. It's a bot the, team. Yeah, the biggest mover for me, the New York Mets dropped nine. From yeah. 11 to 20. And then the yeah. Pirates dropped down 8 out of my top 10 to 13. The biggest movers upwards, Detroit, the Yankees, and the Seattle Mariners all jumped up 8 in my rankings. Seattle is at 12. And uh, I also have Detroit now in the top 20 at 18th, just ahead of my oh, Cubs. The Pirates have won one game in their last since we did this podcast. One mm-hmm. game. And it was that one game by Mitch Keller. I mean, is this finally what we've expected to finally happen to Pittsburgh? Yeah, you had a, you had a hot streak, but we knew it was going to last Pittsburgh. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed it, but go ahead and take that back seat to uh, the rest of the NL Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that they're finally starting to show who they are. Um, and as I tweet this out, Kenley Jansen just converted 
save number 400 in his career. So he's the seventh player to do it, uh, as we talked about earlier on in the episode. So congrats to Kenley Jansen. We were one of the only people to tweet it out here on Twitter. So there we're we multitasking. We're not only podcast recording, but we're multitasking and tweeting it out. So there's a top 10. You can find it on Facebook. You can argue, and I guarantee Houston fans are going to argue with us because that's all that's been arguing. Bring it. We I, love it, baby. We I love it. I hope that Brian Skinner's happy that we both have the, the Diamondbacks in the, the top 10. Um, but a huge shout-out to Brian Skinner, who has been a big supporter on Facebook. Uh, Rick Anderson, who's a Houston Astros fan, who I've jibed at a couple of times here through our podcast. He's an Astros fan, but he's been a great supporter. So head on over to Facebook. You can find us there. Uh, one last thing. Did you see what's going on in Orlando? In Orlando? Oh, the Dreamers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think? Um, let's see. Tampa Bay can barely get attendance. Miami can barely get attendance. You think that the uh, baseball team with the name the Dreamers is going to get attendance? So I will knock you on the Rays for the attendance thing. I don't blame that on the Rays. Well, I don't blame it on the fans. I blame it on the... St- Stadium's location. It's in St. Pete's, which is about a 30-minute drive on no traffic days from downtown Tampa. Go look at any Tampa Bay Lightning. There's nothing else there. Right. But go look at Tampa Bay Lightning games. They are sold out. And when they're in the playoffs, they're packed outside the arena. If the Rays had a stadium that was in Tampa or in the area near downtown... I guarantee that they would sell out games. They need a stadium with a retractable roof, too. They play in a tin can. That stadium is awful. I think what they need in Tampa is, and that's why I don't think that they draw well, is because of the location and the environment. I have a a buddy that lives in in Tampa. Actually, Wes lives in in Tampa. And uh, he says, yeah, it's, it's, it's so inconvenient to get to Tropicana Field. Right. So I, I think that's the issue. And it's not that they don't want to support. It's just why go when it's hard to get there. But right. yes, I think Orlando would be okay, but it's too close to Tampa. It would have to be Tampa moving. Also, I hope Dreamers is just like them dreaming to get the damn team because that is not the logo they had as well was something straight up of the 1990s, if not the early 1990s or the late 80s. But the facility that they showed looked pretty cool. And I like to see these mock-ups, but I, I do think Nashville would be a better place. I think Austin, Texas might be a decent place. Uh, I think Montreal needs to get a team again. And I do think maybe Vancouver. Charlotte. Um, Charlotte would be a good one. They have the minor league team, so does Nashville. But I do think that they're a bigger city that could handle it. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see as MLB does their expansion here over the next couple of years. I do think we'll have uh, another two teams in the league I here. Know my, I know my picks. Nashville, for sure, is the one. Nashville's number one, of course. And, and where's number two? Um, I think Charlotte would be a good pick, being that that side that that part of the coast doesn't have anything. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a Mexico fan. I'm not a Portland fan. Um, I want to see. I you want a place where players want to go live. You don't want to hmm. do Mexico City. Are you Are you going to attract? multiple good players to Mexico City. I don't I I, I really I don't it. think so. I doubt it. But 
it'll be interesting the next couple of years uh, with the A's most likely moving to Vegas. Uh, that's going to take away Vegas from an expansion team. So we're going to have a couple of spots. I think Vancouver, Montreal, Nashville, um, those cities, as well as, as you mentioned, Charlotte, wouldn't be surprised if we see another team try to sneak into the Northeast. And I think that might be a Montreal thing. But uh, we'll watch. We'll see. And uh, we'll know here in a couple of years. But that has been it for Episode 25, the Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast, the Barry Bonds episode, Episode 25. Barry Bonds. And you can find us on Instagram. We just hit a thousand, woo, a thousand followers. Go. Facebook and YouTube. That is at Barrels and Barrels Pod. If you want to check us out there, Twitter at Barrels and Barrels. Email. I didn't mention that earlier, but if you want to email us, if you want to buy a shirt, we have a couple extras. That is Barrels and Barrels at Gmail dot com. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. Let us know what you think about the show. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, whatever it is, we want to hear what your thoughts are, and we want to make this the best listening experience for you. So if you've made it the full hour and a half of episode 25, the Barry Bonds episode, thank you for listening. Michael Burns, high proof, high heat. Any last words for our friends, family, listeners, and trolls? Let's go. Mm.